Well, good morning, y'all. How we doing? All right. All right. Glad to be here. There we go. Glad to be here with you all this morning. Um, if you're new with us today, I'll just give myself a, a quick introduction. My name is Tony Carter. I'm the lead pastor here at The Rock Bible Church, and we're just so well, uh, happy to have you with us. If you're new here this morning, just so happy that you're here to worship Jesus with us uh, on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, if you would, uh, go ahead and pull out your copy of God's Word. Go ahead and pull your Bible out this morning. We're going to be, as Brad said, in the book of Philemon. And we're going to be in the second chapter of Philemon. I'm kidding. There's only one. All right, one chapter in Philemon, easy to find. It's probably two pages in your Bible, 25 verses. We're going to just concentrate this morning on the first seven verses, verses 1 through 7 in the book of Philemon. Um, if, you're in, if you're here with us today and you don't have a Bible with you, if you look under the seat around you, you'll find a copy of God's Word there. If you don't own a Bible, take that one. Pull it out. Write your name in it. Write your notes in it today. Take it home with you. It's our gift to you this morning. We want to make sure that everyone has a copy of God's Word in their homes. As, uh, and as, we, as you're doing that, to get started, I want to ask you all a question. Anyone in here a fan of that show, Live PD? It's not on anymore, but do I have any Live PD fans? Nobody. Okay, one. All right. What about cops? Anybody remember cops? All right, there we go. Here we go. That's the, that's the OG. That's the original Live PD, cops. Uh, I, I loved cops. I'm going to confess that to you guys. All through my childhood, cops, we, we watched cops all the time. Love that show. Um, cops in the 90s was like the best, right? Late 90s cops episodes were just killer. And I watch them now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it dates me a lot. Like, I feel old. I remember watching these back in the day um, with my grandfather. My grandfather, after he retired, huge cops fan. Guy used to just sit in a chair, smoke bar raw reds. Watch, uh, watch cops all day long. That's what he did. I just remember sitting there with him, uh, watching co- episode after episode, rerun after rerun of cops through my whole childhood. I remember going over there and, uh, and to, during the summers to stay with grandma and grandpa and just sitting and watching cops with them. He, he would get really excited when, when on a Tuesday night during the summer, you'd just hear, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? And he'd get all pumped up. We knew it's, you know, it's about to go down. He'd sit up in his chair. He'd be like, all right, boys, time to clean them streets up. Like, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's. He'd get so pumped up. But I loved doing that. I loved, loved watching that show with him. We loved those, those crime shows. And I, I, I found out that crime shows are still pretty popular, right? A lot of crime docu- documentaries on Netflix, a lot of crime shows on TV still, uh, they're, they're, they're still very, very popular, in fact, I was talking to my sister the other day, huge crime show, show buff. She was like, hey, I have a favorite crime podcast. I was like, I didn't even know those were, existed. But they're out there, right? And it's safe to say that some of these crime shows are, are still pretty popular. Some of, us, some of us weird people, we enjoy a good crime story. And so this morning, as we dive into to the first uh, or the only chapter here in Philemon, we're going we're gonna to see a crime story. Right? We're going to hear another crime story. But in this story, the goal isn't justice as it is on cops or, or whatever show we're watching. But the goal here in this story is reconciliation. And so as we open up this series that we've titled Radical Reconciliation, we're going to read about a slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus, Onesimus cre- uh, committed a crime. Right? He committed a crime of escaping his master, a master by the name of Philemon. And escaping bond service during this time in history, 
escaping your master, the punishment for that was death if you were caught. Right? If you were caught escaping, the punishment was death. In fact, the, the, most, the least amount of punishment would be that you would be branded on your forehead. Right? So this is a serious crime that Onesimus has, has committed here during this time. I think that most of us would say that we like to see justice prevail. Like when I watch cops, I like to see justice prevail. I think, and this, this may sound bad as we say it, but, but we like to see sometimes when it comes to crime, people get what they deserve, right? We like to see justice overtake evil. But when we look at the gospel of Jesus, we don't really see that. Right? When we look at what Jesus did for us on the cross, we, we find something other than justice. Right? And there's justice there, but, but what we see instead of justice is we find forgiveness through the cross. The Bible says that, that all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. And then the Bible also tells us that the penalty of that sin is eternal death. And that would be just for, for our crimes. As sinners, the justice for our crimes would be, would be eternal death, right? That's the, the payment for sin. But through faith in Jesus and his death on the cross and resurrection to defeat sin, we have been forgiven and reconciled to God, right? And so it's forgiveness for us. That though we were sinners, we are still forgiven through Jesus. And as we read through this, this short single chapter epistle or this letter to Philemon, we will see that as followers of Jesus, we are called to forgive others just as God has forgiven us. Well, before we jump into the text here this morning, I want to share a little bit of background information on this book, on this letter of Philemon. Um, almost all of Paul's writings in the New Testament are letters written to churches. Right, we have the letter to the Galatian church. We have the letter to the church in Rome. We have the letter to the Corinthian church and so on. But a few of Paul's letters are written directly to certain individuals. Okay, they're written directly to certain people that, that Paul is discipling and leading. And some of these guys are leaders of churches, or they're leaders of, of spreading the gospel in their areas. Well, this, this series in Philemon is us diving into one of those epistles or one of those letters. Um, this letter that we're reading here today... Paul has written directly to his friend and brother in Christ, Philemon. Now, if you've been with us for the last few months, you know that we just last week finished out our series of Paul's letter to the Colossian church, right? the church in Colossae. These two epistles, the letter to the church in Colossae and this epistle of Philemon, are directly linked together. Both these... Uh, both these letters were written at the same time. Right, both these letters were written during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome, around 61 AD. And, and these letters are written together. Right? They're written in the same period of time, and they were sent around the same period of time because they were sent to the same place. Right? Philemon is a resident of Colossae. Right? So he lives in Colossae. And not only that, as, we, as we're going to dive into the beginning of this letter, the first three verses here will tell us that, that the church in Colossae, the Colossian church, is held in Philemon's home. He's the host facility for this church in Colossae. 
This Colossian church that Paul wrote to that we just, just came out of this series in is being held here in the home of Philemon. And so let's, we're going to hop right into the text this morning. We're going to start here in verse 1 and see what the Lord has to say to us through Paul's letter to Philemon. Let's get our eyes on the text here. In verse 1, Paul says this, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in this first three verses here, we learn a little bit more about Philemon. What do we learn here? We know that, as we said before, the Colossian church is meeting in his house. We know from the first few verses that Philemon is a godly man. Right? Paul calls him a fellow worker, a beloved fellow worker. We know that Paul and him are very close, right? That they're friends. If we look back in the beginning of Colossians, Paul introduces himself differently to the church than he does to Philemon. In, in Colossians, when we look back in Colossians 1, Paul introduces himself as an apostle. But because he has a personal relationship with Philemon, he calls himself a prisoner for Christ Jesus. And here later he says that Philemon is the same, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. We know that he's a godly man, Philemon, and that he's led his family to Jesus. Paul says uh, in here he addresses both Aphia and Archippus. This is believed to be Philemon's wife and son. And he lets us know that they too are, are devout followers of Jesus. They, he addresses Aphia as a sister in Christ and Archippus as a fellow soldier in Christ. So we know that these people are followers of Jesus, and we also know that Philemon more than likely is a wealthy man. Right? For two reasons we can derive that. One, he owns a home big enough to host a church, to host a gathering of people, and this was rare in this time to have a home large enough to hold a church in. And second, as I talked about earlier, Philemon owns a slave, right? Onesimus. And those who are only those who are prominent could afford to own a slave. Now, as we, as we dive into this, as we start talking about this, a few weeks ago, we touched a little bit on the slavery in the Bible. And we went decently deep into that. I'm not going to go super deep into that today, but I do want to just recap for us a little bit about slavery in the Bible. As a reminder, and if you weren't here with us in this past series... The context of slavery during this time, the time that this was written, is very different from what we know or what was experienced in the last 250 years in North American history, right? In American history. The slavery that has happened in the last 250 years here was, was race-driven, was race-driven slavery. The slavery in Paul's time during this Roman Empire was based almost exclusively on economics and not on race, People in this time often sold themselves into slavery. They sold themselves into slavery to escape poverty, to feed their families. Um, it wasn't race-driven. It was just solely based on economics. The point here is that slavery was an element in this Roman society. Right? It, was a, it was a reality in this Roman occupation during this time. It's a reality even for a believer like Philemon who, as we said, owns a slave, right? He, he's the owner of Onesimus. But there's a shift in this reality coming. 
It's going to come through this letter that Paul is writing. Paul's going to show us through the incredible character of Philemon what true gospel-driven reconciliation looks like in our personal lives. How we can be better forgiven and be better at forgiving others in our own lives, just as Jesus has forgiven us. We're going to walk verse by verse through this letter and see how we can take our first step to be better at reconciliation or be better at radical reconciliation. Paul gives us the first step to that in our text this morning. Paul's going to show us this in the text this morning, that radical reconciliation begins with gospel identity, right? Radical reconciliation begins with an identity in the gospel of Jesus. We can't forgive in the way the Lord has called us to forgive unless we have been transformed by the gospel. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're like, this word gospel, what, what does this mean? I've never heard this word gospel. You're not alone. Before I knew Jesus, I got saved at the, the tender age of 21. And before that, I had heard this word gospel, but I had never known what it truly meant. So I want to just touch on this for a second. What is the gospel? Right, what's it mean? Well, this word gospel just means good news. Right, and this good news of Jesus that you hear in churches all over America, all over the world, this good news of Jesus can be found directly in his word in many places. But we'll, we'll hit on one place this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, tells us this good news, this gospel of Jesus. Read with me. It says this. Paul says to the Corinthian church, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So the Bible tells us that the good news of Jesus is that He died for our sin, that He was buried in a tomb, and that on the third day He was resurrected to defeat death and sin so that we could live eternally through Him, through our faith in Him. When we hear this good news of Jesus, when we accept this free gift of salvation in him, it transforms us, right? We see this all throughout God's word, hearts that are transformed through the gospel of Jesus, right? Paul is one of the most intense stories of a transformed heart to Jesus. If you don't know Paul personally in this room, if you haven't read about Paul in the Bible, Paul was a persecutor of followers of Jesus. He was having them killed and murdered and persecuting them, having them beaten and thrown into the streets just because they were following Jesus. And one day he met Jesus on a road and it completely transformed him into a different man. Transformed him so much that the the followers of Jesus were hearing about it and glorifying the Lord. That's how much the gospel can transform our hearts. Knowing that we will be forgiven for the crimes that we've committed, right? The sin that we've committed will transform your heart. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthian church that once you have placed your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you become a brand new creation. And we, we can see that with Paul in the book of Acts. And he just completely changes. He becomes a new creation, a new person. You are transformed by the gospel of Jesus when you hear it and accept it. 
And after we've been made new through Jesus, through his gospel, it changes everything about us. It changes our identity. And what we're going to see today through our reading is that Paul is letting his friend Philemon know that the gospel has already prepared his heart in four ways to forgive like Jesus forgave. And we'll see this first way in verses 4 through 5. Get your eyes on the text here with me in verse 4 of Philemon. Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all of the saints. So Paul says in the first part of verse 5 here, thanks, he thanks God always in his prayers because he hears of the faith that Philemon has in Jesus. And that's the first heart posture, the first way the gospel moves us today. The gospel has moved you as a follower of Jesus to have faith in Jesus. It's the first thing the gospel does. right? It roots you in your faith to Jesus through the gospel. Paul says again, Thanks, thank God for you, Philemon, through your faith in Jesus. It's the belief from many theologians that, that Paul led Philemon to Christ. Right? Some years before this letter, Paul met Philemon, led him to Christ somewhere in Asia Minor, they believe. So in normal Paul fashion, as we, we read when Paul evangelizes, when he shares the gospel, we assume that Paul proclaimed the gospel to Philemon. A transformation occurred of Philemon's heart, and now he has not only eternal life in Jesus, but Philemon is a man who abides in the Lord, in his commands. He follows Jesus. He loves Jesus. And he's following Jesus. He's trying to, to walk more in the way of Jesus. He's trying to uh, be a true follower of Christ and forgive as he does. And this means the same thing today as it did then. Our gospel identity lies solely in our faith in Jesus alone. Our gospel identity lies solely in our faith in Jesus alone. Amen? As we spoke about earlier, Paul is writing this letter around the same time he wrote the letter to the Colossian church. He's pleading with them in that letter, as we remember, he's pleading with the Colossian church, be rooted in the true gospel, the one true gospel of Jesus alone. The same gospel that saves us, leads us, to forgive and reconcile like Jesus. All right, so he's, he's already told the church in Colossae, be rooted in the gospel. Now he's speaking directly to Philemon. He's saying, you're an example of what it looks like to live and walk like Jesus. And he's commending Philemon for the way that he's walking with the Lord. But Paul says something else in verse 5. He says, Thank, he, he thanks God in his prayers because he hears of the love that Philemon has for all the saints. And this is the second way the gospel moves us, right? The gospel, when we hear it, moves us to love one another. Right? That's what he says here again. He says in verse 5, because I hear of your love and the faith you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Now, this word saint means most holy thing, right? Define the word saint means most holy thing. And here, Paul is referencing Christ followers, He's saying those who are made holy and righteous through the gospel of Jesus, the Bible calls saints. And we know that Philemon is a man who's rooted with his faith in Jesus. He's a man that abides in Jesus. And so he's following a command that Jesus gave. 
Right, in John 15, in verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And Philemon is, is holding that line to a T, right? Paul tells Philemon here that he is abiding in the words of John 15 very well, and that he is loving the saints well, and it's the gospel of Jesus, his faith in Jesus, that's led him to do that. The gospel moves us to love one another as Jesus loved us. Now, you're going to struggle to forgive a person unconditionally like Jesus did you if you don't first understand how to love them, that you're supposed to love them as Jesus loved you. And the first way we love one another is telling people about who Jesus is, right? We don't become a saint unless we're a follower of Christ, right? We can't be reconciled to God before we've heard the gospel and believe in it. And that's what Paul's going to lead us to here in verse 6, the, the, the next heart movement that the gospel has moved you to do. Read with me in verse 6. He says this, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So our third point today is this, that Paul is showing us here the gospel has moved you to share your faith. All right, being rooted in the gospel moves you to share your faith. Paul is praying that Philemon's testimony here is effective in bringing people to Jesus. As we discussed last week, the mission Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven was to go and multiply disciples. Right? He says, go and make disciples in Matthew 28. Multiply Christ's followers, grow the kingdom of God, right? Take lost people, show them who Jesus is, proclaim the gospel to them, right? Turn lost people into saved people, mature saved people, and multiply them so the kingdom of God grows like a wildfire. And since he knows that Philemon has been transformed by the gospel, Paul is praying here, that he is effective in bringing lost people to Jesus. This is the effect that the the gospel should have on all of us, church. Because we live in a world full of people that are dead in their sin. We we walk amongst the living dead daily. We must love people in a way that we want them to know that they can be rescued from this death. Right, if you're in here or so, there's someone that you know who has not placed their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if you're in this room right now and you have not placed your faith in the fact that Jesus has died for the payment for our sins, that sins that he was innocent of, that we were guilty of, and then he was raised to defeat sin and death so that we could eternally live with him in heaven, hear me now, you're eternally dead. Without Jesus, there's no way to be rescued from this death. Jesus is the only way. Paul has just finished writing this letter to the Colossian church, explaining the exact same thing to them. There's only one gospel. It's the good news of Jesus, and only through him can you be saved. If that's you today, as a body of believers, we implore you, place your faith in Jesus right now. Be rescued from the the death of sin. Be be set free in Jesus today. As believers in this room, as 
followers of Jesus who are called by Jesus himself to proclaim him, this should light a fire under us. As people who have given their lives to Christ and are going to follow and abide in his commandments, this should, this should spark a fire in us, church. And we have eternal life, and we have to let people know how to get it. Imagine if, if you knew someone with cancer who was terminally ill, and, and they're laying in a hospital bed dying, and all this time, you have the cure in your pocket. But you haven't said anything. Right? You haven't said anything. We, we, we wouldn't do that. Right? In that scenario, we would not do that. Would we not say a word to them? No way. Of course we would. We would, we would run through that hospital, busting through doors, holding the, the cure in our hand and just screaming out, I have it, I have it. Right? Come and see, come and take this, I have it. The gospel moves us to proclaim Jesus, to share our faith with others. But how can we do this? Right? What's one way, one effective, applicable way that we can start doing this today? One of the most powerful ways to proclaim Jesus is to share your testimony. Right? To share your God at work story. To show people, to tell people what Jesus did in your life. To, to show them and tell them how the gospel transformed you to the person you are today. And share the story of who you were before Jesus. And sometimes, guys, that's, that's a rough story. Right? In my case as well, it's a rough story. But we have, to, we have to show where we've been and then show them what happened, right? The moment the gospel entered us, the moment that we, we believed in the gospel, the moment that we were given the Holy Spirit and then how life has changed now that we have that, right? What a life looked like when we were dead, the moment that Jesus entered our life and now how life is as we live free in him. Share your testimony. Right? Run through this world screaming, I have the answer. Right? I have the cure. I have the cure to eternal death. Share your testimony. That's what Paul is calling for us to do here in this letter to Philemon, is to share our God at work story. As we round out our time together this morning, Paul has one final gospel-centered characteristic that he wants to show us. Uh, he wants to show us that through Philemon... The gospel has moved us to comfort one another. Read with me here in verse 7. Paul says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So Paul says here in verse 7 that Philemon has refreshed the hearts of the saints, the hearts of the Christ followers in Colossae. This word refreshed here, is, is used also in the original Greek word in Matthew 11, when Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. This word refreshed here is the same word as, I will give you rest in Matthew 11. So we know now that Philemon is a loving and a kind man, a man that through his faith in Jesus loves others and provides comfort to them. Paul is telling us that Philemon is a peacemaker. Right, and through the gospel of Jesus and the transformation it provides, Philemon brings rest and restoration to other believers in need. That's how the gospel should change us, church. Right, we should have a desire to bear one another's burdens, right, to bring rest to each other, to walk together with Jesus. We should strive to be comforters for others in need. 
And as we, as we carry on over into next week and work our way deeper and deeper into this letter that, that Paul is writing to his friend Philemon, we're going to see that the forgiving heart that Paul is going to call Philemon to have, the, forgiving, the forgiveness he's going to call Philemon to have to his escaped slave Onesimus, this heart can't exist unless it first understands true love, unconditional forgiving love, and church, Jesus has set the bar for that love. Right? We can only understand what true, unconditional love looks like through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The love he has for us, that though we were sinners, that we were constantly fall, falling short, that we continue to constantly fall short of God, he still went to the cross, he still died for us because he loves us. And Paul is showing us today through this letter, in order to forgive like Jesus, the gospel has to transform us into people with a strong-rooted faith in Christ. A strong-rooted faith that loves people, that cares for people, that desires to bring comfort for people, and above all else, that presents them with the gospel. Right? If there's people around you in your life right now People that you know are not followers of Jesus. You know that are, that are walking dead. People that you know don't know the Lord. Right? Paul's calling us to be people who proclaim Christ, who love one another, who comfort one another. The gospel should have this effect on us every single day. Right? In church, if, if, if you don't, if you don't constantly fill yourself with this truth of what the Lord did for you on the cross, that, that he died for you on the cross, that he gave his life up for you, that he hung on the cross for sins that he didn't commit, that you committed, but yet he still laid his life down for you because he loved you. We have to fill ourselves with that truth every single day. Like the gospel is not something that we just hear once. You fill yourself with that gospel truth every day and that roots you in it. And then we start to transform into a follower of Jesus that loves people that can radically forgive. So I want to pray for that for all of us right now as we close out our time together. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We pray, Father, as a, as a body here today, Lord, that you would move in our hearts this week, that we would, we would see through this, this text this morning that that you have called us, that the gospel has, has pushed us to love like you and forgive like you. And Father, as we get ready to hear next week what happens to Philemon, what, what Paul is asking Philemon to do, it's radical, Lord. And when it, when it happens, Lord, when we, when we start to radically forgive and, and have moments of, of radical reconciliation in our lives, Lord, it, it's going to look odd to us, to the world, Lord. Like, why would we forgive someone who did these things to us? Who said these things? Who physically hurt us? And Lord, the answer to that is we forgive those things because you've called us to do it. Because you first forgave. Father, you don't ask us to do anything you didn't do first. Lord, you're, you're calling us to, to radically forgive one another. 
And so, Father, I pray that as we work our way through your text here in Philemon, God, that you would just impact our hearts with that. That the gospel first prepares us to be radical forgivers. And this week, Lord, that that you would have us lean into the gospel truth. Again, Father, that, that you died for our sins. You didn't have to, Father. But you willingly went to the cross because you love us. That truth has to transform our heart this week. So, Father, if there's anyone in this room right now who doesn't know you, Lord, who doesn't know your truth, that you died on the cross for our sins, Father, I just pray that they open their hearts to you now, that they believe and place their faith in that gospel so they can live eternally through you. Lord, I pray for our church, that we be a church that's, that's centered in this, this gospel truth, that we are in every way just exalting you for who you are and what you did for us on the cross. All glory to you, Father, here, that when we come together and, and dive in your word and, and worship you, Father, that our hearts are only pointed directly towards glorifying you, to making you more known in this land. And Father, that... that as we, as we do this, as we worship you, God, that it not only fulfills us, that it, that, it, that it builds us up as we walk through the weeks, Lord, but also that people know who you are through it. That as we love and forgive radically, that people on the outside will see that and glorify you because of it. And so, Father, I just pray these things this week for our church, for our families, for our individuals, and for our homes. No matter where we're at, Father, work or at play, in our homes, we are just focused on glorifying you and proclaiming you as, as Christ, as the Savior of all, as the rescuer of all. So Jesus, we praise you. We love you. All the glory to you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Church, you are loved. You are sent. Have a great week.